My name is Melissa Dimmer, and you're listening to the Why We Can't Have Nice Things podcast. All information on where we get our case facts, as well as the music and cover art for this podcast, are all in the show notes if you are interested. If you want us to cover a specific case of your choosing, DM us on Instagram at NiceThingsPod. Everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the podcast. This podcast still doesn't have a name. <laughs> it probably did have a name that we gave it the other night, but that we won't true. know because, because it deleted the, f- the three, three hours. hours of footage is just fucking gone. Out the Fuck. door. I'm so mad about it. <laughs> Swift kick off the couch into the abyss, never to be seen again. No, literally. It's so bad. Okay, so the case I have for you today is based in Lansing. Oh, that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I guess, I guess I'll just get started. Okay, okay. So I'm going to start with the first victim. The first victim was found on Saturday, November 21st of 1970 in the uh, southern fringe of the Michigan State University, which they called the Lover's Lane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's a very remote area, you know, all that kind of shit. And a body is found, completely nude, except for a bra wrapped around her neck and a pair of tennis shoes. Pretty much, she was found, like, 50 yards from a road, too. Keep in mind. Just a quick dump. Yeah. Okay. Her name is Marie Ann Jackson. She's 18 years old, and they were able to trace her back because she had on a class ring. Like, you know how, like, high schools, you have, like, class rings when you graduate? Yeah. They were able to check, they were able to, like, trace it back to the high school and check who graduated from that year. Postmortem revealed that she had been raped and strangled with some type of ligature. Um, They had guessed that the murder had happened about a week before the body had been discovered um, because she had not been to work since November 13th. She was last seen on Cedar Street in an old beat-up convertible with a man described in his late 30s. Damn, I drive that street, like, every day. I know. Is See, that's the... I thought this would be a really fun case to do because it's local, and you drive down these roads all the time. So now, after this, hearing this story, you're going to be driving down these roads and being like, oh, crap. I already do that. I literally... <laughs> I refuse to go anywhere by myself over here because I'm like, I, ah. Same. I, I really don't, like, especially at night. You know, like, just... It's, like, on the north side of campus, right by Sni-Fi. Yeah. There's that wooded part that curves toward, like, mm-hmm. the library... And it goes up a hill, and there's mm. a path. There's a path that goes that up the hill. That is creepy. And before, like, when we were freshmen, well, I guess before we were freshmen, because it was during orientation, we were told not to go down that path as a, as a girl unless you had <gasps> more than, like, five or six girls with you because you, like, two two of us could have easily been just snatched in that oh area. Oh, my God. Because it's, it was so dark. Now it's, like, lit, and they have those emergency buttons. But even if you go back... Yeah. It's just, like, behind, like, on the river trail. Yeah. Over by East I know Neighborhood. Exactly, yeah. It's pitch black. It's, li- like, they would... I think they still call it, like, literally... This is morbid. But <laughs> it's literally, like, the like the rape trail. Jeez. Because you do not want to be walking down yeah. there alone. Because it's so dark. 
And like now they have one emergency button, but one. It, but but it's still it's even though there's some lights now too. Like it's, it's not enough. It's dark. I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it. You would think for a campus that has such bad reputation for sexual assault and rape that they would maybe do a little more. Well, and I mean, I've had instances walking around campus where I'm literally getting followed. Oh yeah. I mean, I like anywhere on campus, no matter right. how lit it is. It's, I mean, it's I not remember. Fun. Um, me, it was me and two girls during orientation were like, fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> and we went on that walk down that trail anyways. And we ended up getting trailed by a group of like, probably seven to eight guys. Oh my And they, God. they followed us. Like every turn that we made, like they were making the turn. And I'm like, this is just giving me like criminal minds energy and I'm not claiming it. We <laughs> not claiming we this literally energy. we walked into a 7-Eleven. These guys walked into a 7-Eleven. We're like, we're going back. <laughs> we're never leaving that. Yeah, house again. and then we, you know, we walk back between the two buildings that we're supposed to be staying in and there are about a hundred 18 year olds playing duck duck goose on the front lawn <laughs> like <laughs> like that was <laughs> what do college kids do when they have a break they play duck duck goose what do they do when they when it snows they literally have snowball fights and build snowmen did you see the one video on barstool for msu the uh how they put they shoveled snow into a house and this guy went down on his snowboard down the stairs and like outside because they like they put the snow all throughout the house and like outside I did not see that. You had to watch it. It's so but funny. But literally every time it snows here, the, the entire, um, like my apartment complex, that entire group chat will just blow up and be like, so who's who's down to fight me right now? I already have my war station set up. I got the barricade. Like I got my snowballs getting made. Who's, oh who's fighting God. me? And you'll look outside and people will be throwing snowballs at they windows were doing that. to get people out they yeah. do it they do it everywhere they were doing it on campus, campus like uh right like uh right by the uh, dorms and everything yeah like that when all the, the first snowfall. all the dorms do it the funny thing is when they hit a window that is open <laughs> and there's obviously a screen there but it just like shatters yeah it still goes through and it just goes all over the room dude i think i'd be so pissed if someone did that i'm not gonna lie no i would just laugh I, well okay maybe i wouldn't be pissed but i'd be like real confused i'd be like the fuck just happened okay so uh there was another eyewitness that said um I'm just going to call her Jackson by her last name because that's what I have in my notes and it's going to be way too confusing for me to remember. Okay. Um, So another eyewitness has said that they saw her in a car the night before discovering her body. Um, And another one said that they saw her riding passenger in a souped-up Chevrolet Impala on Friday, November 20th. Also, when I read souped-up... This is a week earlier. Yeah, a week earlier before... Or no, this is the night before her disappearance because she was found Saturday, November 1st. Or, I'm sorry, Saturday, November 21st. Okay, I was So she was last seen in this Chevrolet Impala Friday, November 20th. Okay. Um, it is known that she did often hitchhike. I mean, granted, this is the 1970s and... Uber's not a thing. Uber's not a thing. Everyone was trusting and thought hitchhiking was a great idea. Don't do it. Well, girl probably wasn't trying to hitchhike that far either. She doesn't want to... Yeah, it was on I campus. I mean, this was November. Yeah, and it's on campus, so you're kind of expecting to go a short distance, but didn't all happen. So, the main suspect um, ended up 
well, one of the main suspects for this uh, case was a guy named Carl Fitch. He's a 23-year-old resident of Eaton, Ra- Eaton Rapids, and he denied any involvement of the murder, and there was no evidence to place him at the scene, and eventually this case ended up fizzling out and going cold. Okay, so it is a cold case. Part of it. Okay, because I was going to ask. That there's, was really the question I was thinking. There's half of a happy ending to this one. Okay. And half not. I love that. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the second victim, Diane Osinski, she's a 19-year-old Michigan State student who was studying psychology. She was described to be the girl next door, and she also lived in an off-campus house. This is house. a victim, suspect, or witness? Victim. Victim. Victim number two, psych yes. major. Okay. So, she was a native of um, Ham, Hamtrack? Ham, how the fuck do you say that? Hamtrack? That's how you say it? Hamtramck. That's how you say it. I still didn't even see where you were looking, but yeah, okay. <laughs> She's a native of Hamtramck. I actually took my SAT, my second SAT there. So then why couldn't you say the word? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Okay, so... On July 24th uh, of 1972, at about 11 a.m., she had left her apartment after receiving a phone call from a man who she was supposed to be interviewing with for a babysitting job. The first call had come 90 minutes before, and um, there was a misunderstanding. There was, like, a, I think a misunderstanding about when the interview was expected to be happening. Um, she thought the man had said 10.30 at night. However, he meant 10.30 in the morning. So right after that call, she told her roommates about the appointment, grabbed her purse, and left. And that was the last time anybody had seen her. It was only two days later that the police had learned about Diane's disappearance and finally began searching. Two days. It took two days for someone to call the cops? Yeah. Because she told... she, You know what? Thing, I believe that. Because, listen... Unfortunately, they don't do shit. <laughs> no. Because, Back then, at least. Well, but that's when they found out. Yeah. It took them two days for someone to tell them. Mm-hmm. She had a roommate. Which makes me wonder, why didn't the roommate But see, here's, here's where I come in with an argument. Oh, boy. Because the amount of times that I've gone home and it's taken Allie over 24 hours to be like... Where are you? Where are you? And... She has my location, but I'll be like, that is I'm, true. I'm at home or I'm in Ann Arbor. She's like, oh, I didn't know you left. I've been that calling your true. name all day. That is like, true. Well, There's, but she told her roommates about the appointment, though. Like, they knew she'd be back. Okay, so her roommates knew that she was going somewhere right now. Was this in the yeah. morning? You said it was 1030 in the morning? Yeah. Well, at this point, it was 11, because she got the call at 11, and, this and she was supposed to be there at 10.30. Do we know what day of the week this is? No clue. Whatever July 24th, 1972 was. <laughs> Let me look up real quick. July, 20, July 24th is in the middle of summer. Yeah. Like, because my thing was going to be if it's on, like, a weekday, maybe the girl mean, has classes. She tr- still could she, have classes. She still could have had summer classes, it's true. But, I mean, she could have an internship, she could have mm-hmm. a job that she's mm-hmm. going to all over the place. She might have friends that her roommate doesn't even know about that she yep. goes and hangs out with. That's very true. She could be hanging out with, you know, she would be going to the club. She could be doing this at the other thing. Mm-hmm. This was the 70s. Yeah, They were doing exactly. a lot of things back then. Like, fucking hitchhiking. <laughs> Uh, every time I hear a case about hitchhiking, I'm just like, I know exactly where this yeah, is going. Yeah. I know exactly well, where this is like, going. Yeah. It's so unfortunate because people were so trusting back then. Cause it's like, well, the thing is too, is like the 1970s, isn't that when like most like, you know, shield killers were kind of 
Yeah. That was, like, the the epitome of serial yeah. killers times. Like, they all pretty much were like, I'm the best one. Let me prove Let- it, bitch. <laughs> Let's all just at once go. Just all at once go. No, one person did it, and then another Everyone person was like, wait, maybe I'll make it more obvious that I'm killing people <laughs> so that I get a name, and it's, like, more like I'm being chased, even though they nope. have no idea who I am, where I am, or what I'm doing. Change it up every couple years, and they think I'm two different people. I got two yep. different names. That actually makes me wonder how many, like, cases they have, like, multiple suspects for because of, like, MO changes. Well, yeah. I mean, that's... That's terrifying. If someone... I'm sorry, and don't take this as, like, a tutorial, but, I mean, if <laughs> if you want... If you, like, weren't an idiot, <laughs> like, you wouldn't stay consistent. You wouldn't only kill on an interstate. Doesn't matter if it's in different states. If it's on See, an that's, interstate, that's the thing. They can't help it. That's their mo. I know. That's the that's the crazy part. Cause that's the that's whatever gets them off, and that pisses yeah. me off. Because I'm like, if you and then like get, that fantasy, that exact how they do it, gets I know, them off. I know, and it's awful. Well, it pisses me off <laughs> because if they just makes them look like they look like idiots, mm-hmm. and then I wonder how many people actually have like done like what I would do. <laughs> like, what would you do like change it up oh <laughs> i mean i wouldn't be able to mentally handle killing one person let alone a bunch but i know that i could successfully like <laughs> carry out it in like a way that's not completely brain dead like i said two days later the police had learned about her disappearance and finally started searching like you and i were discussing there wasn't much importance of finding her because a missing college student wasn't that much a big deal. Uh, <laughs> they're, only, they're only paying like a grand at this point, um, like for a whole year. See, of see that's that's the thing though. They just want your money. They don't actually care about you. Oh, it's almost like that's what's happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I quote: "It says uh, college kids fell in love, uh, fell in love, fell out of love, uh, cohabitated, spent long weekends together, eloped, or just plain run away. Usually, they packed a bag." However, Diane didn't, as it was out of character for her. She had not packed a bag or anything, and she had left out of the blue. And it was also considered, like, you know, out of character for her because she had left without her prescription glasses, her checkbook, her bank book, a change of toiletries, and uh, clothes, and she also didn't have her prescription. Do you have a checkbook? No. Me neither. <laughs> but back in the 1970s, you know, everyone probably did. Um, it's reported that Diane had absolutely no reason to run away because she had a very healthy relationship with her family and was just overall, like, a very dependable person. So the fact that she, like, up and vanished was like, what the fuck? Where'd she go? Right. So we have that. I feel like it's just, like, the narrative. It's still kind of the mm-hmm. narrative today. I know. Because like, oh, well, they probably just ran away. Yeah, like, whether whether you're described as dependable or not, like, the media is always going to have this view about it being like, well... well and it's hard because that... Obviously, like, was, mm-hmm. like, what would happen a lot of times in, in the, the past. past. And it's hard to break that. I mean, that's with every stereotype mm-hmm. ever. Like, it's hard to change that unless mm-hmm. everyone decides yeah. that we're just, no one's going to run away anymore. Yeah. yeah. 
it's like a collective thing because when one person does it, well, now it's something we have to check on every mm-hmm. single time. Exactly. That goes for every stereotype, literally yeah. ever. It's it's impossible to break unless everyone's like, let's break this shit in half. <laughs> Which you know unfortunately, I, mean? I don't see happening because everyone is so like I don't okay I don't want to say everyone, but like most people are pretty headstrong. Right. Well, and here's the thing too. A lot of stereotypes about myself are not incorrect. <laughs> I mean, I like Starbucks. Like, I... If, if I were to get arrested, it would probably be, you know, just be because I ran my mouth at someone who was being irritating. And I... I hold myself to that, you know? Like, if someone is going to tell me, oh, you know, like, you are this way because of this, I'm going to be like, like yep. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't done anything to prove you wrong. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. I, I honestly think the only reason I would be arrested is for tax fraud because I don't know how to do my taxes. <laughs> so, um, obviously, investigators had wanted to get in to- had wanted to get in contact with the person who had called her and offered her the babysitting job, as that was literally where she was last reported being like going. I'm sorry. Who is a babysitter? Literally everybody. No, I mean, like, is this still victim two? Yeah, this is victim two. Okay. So, um, uh, investigators did, they ended up not being, this lead went nowhere. Okay. Um, and the investigators ended up learning that Diane had worked at a local daycare center and that she really liked the position, so she applied for this, like, babysitting posting through the university placement service um which had allowed diane's contact information to be given to several potential clients but she did not get their contacts like the like the whole like service doesn't have the contact names of the people who who want service right only those who are going to babysit so these clients had all of (coughs) diane's information that they needed and all that. They did not have any names or contact information for the people who wanted to hire her, unfortunately. Uh, investigators were still trying to identify Diane's caller within eight days of August 1972. More women, two more women, had died violent deaths within those eight days. That's super sick. Mm-hmm. The first being 43-year-old Betty Jean Goodrich. She was last seen in the parking lot of a grocery store on August 11th of 1972 and had ended up turning up in a wooded area in Village of Nashville, which is over 40 miles um, of East Lansing, like from East Lansing, I guess. She was stabbed in the chest four times and garroted with her own belt. This is... Yeah. Um, the prime suspect at the time for this murder was a guy named Charles Joseph Emery, who was an ex-convict on parole at the time, but um, ultimately... They always blame the ex-cons. It's always the ex-cons. <laughs> Sometimes it does end up being them. So there ended up, uh, there ended up not being enough evidence to charge uh, or like to like warrant a charge or anything, so mm-hmm. that kind of went dead. There probably was evidence. They just couldn't collect it. I know, because it was 1972. There's I nothing you can I test. You there were fingerprints. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. But unfortunately, TNA, DNA testing did not come out until the 1920s. No, not 1920s. 19, like, 90s. Yeah, it was in, like, the late 90s. Because o- the O.J. Simpson trial was the first one that DNA was... One of the first cases DNA was, was used on. It was one of the first ones. Yeah. Um, 
August 19th, a week after Betty was found, 58-year-old Irene Waters had left her apartment after receiving a phone call that the place she worked at, a doctor's office, had been bursted into flames. Iconic. (laughs) Um, She had been attacked by an unidentified assailant after walking into the garage. She was stabbed 15 times, and in that time, the man escaped through an adjacent alley. There was only one witness that later led to a composite sketch. Um... By the time, you know, winter came around and temperatures dropped, the investigation in all three cases had pretty much gone cold. Diane's 20th birthday, which was December 15th, had come and went, and there were no whereabouts of where she could possibly be. It wasn't until 10 months later that her skeletal remains uh, would turn up and it would, in a convert... <laughs> it would... <laughs> uh, I realized... Okay, so I used... You know how... Apple lets you use that little like voice icon when you you talk and so I use that for this case and there's so many misspellings in this (laughs) anyways um 10 months later they identified skeletal remains that turned up um and a conservation area in Best Township which is about 10 miles north of East Lansing they were able to identify by her dental comparison and also by what clothes she was wearing um when she rushed out that day and there was no cause of death like, they couldn't find a cause of death. Well, because it was just a skeleton. hmm Were the... Did it look like the cause of death and the other two were the same? They're... As far as I'm concerned from the research that I've done, which sources will be in the freaking show notes, but um, there... I don't recall there even, like, a mention of a cause of death for either of them. Like, all the rest of them. Makes no sense. I know. Um, okay, so the main theory... Um, was that a serial killer named Carl Watts, also known as the Sunday Morning Slasher, was arrested by Texas authorities in 1982. He allegedly murdered a string of co-eds in Ann Arbor in the mid-70s. He ended up leaving Michigan when uh, investigators had identified him as the person of interest. Um, However, when he was in Houston, Houston, Texas, he was captured. um, And I think attempted for double double homicide within the state of texas he ended up cutting a deal with prosecutors so in exchange for a 60-year prison sentence he admitted to he admitted to about a dozen murders in texas um authorities had thought that although the you know killings began in 1974 his very specific use of uh, using edged weapons and his choice of victims made him a pretty good suspect for a lot of cases within michigan including the murder of hold on i have to find the name again betty jean goodrich and oh and irene waters and the presumed death of diane or the presumed murder of diane so investigators essentially think that you know he is Responsible for the murder of Betty and Irene, and possibly the murder of Diane, but they have no clue yet. See, but here's <laughs> what pains me, like makes me so irritated, because you're already caught. Okay, I just mm-hmm. arrested you. You're you're in handcuffs. You you already know you're getting sixty years. You're not gonna last much longer than sixty years mm-hmm. longer, anyways. So what is an extra? Hundred years on top of that. I know. I mean, it's the same thing. So why can't you just tell me? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the point of taking it to the grave with you? Because what is the yeah. point of telling 
these, like, all these officers, oh, yeah, that missing person, I'm responsible. They're here. I did this. Mm-hmm. Why can't you just list it all out? Mm-hmm. And if there's too many for you to remember, I think that's a bigger problem. That is a massive problem. But, uh, I mean, if, here's, here's how I look at it, though. I mean, if Stefan Salvatore was able to keep a record of every single person <laughs> over 162 years... He's got no excuse. No serial killers. Nobody has an excuse not to remember who they haven't murdered because Stefan <laughs> literally had a list. He had a list. And you know what? He didn't forget one name. Nope. Nope. Not one. He had that shit on the inside. What was that? On the inside of a, a door or something? Well, it was funny because it didn't matter like where he was. Like that... He always knew him. He even knew him off the top of his head. Yeah. He was almost led to be released after a technicality, but Michigan authorities had moved to extradite him to Michigan. He was then tried and sentenced to life and then ended up being given a second life sentence after his second conviction. And he ended up... He's living two lives. (laughs) Yeah. He ended up dying of prostate cancer in 2017. Or not 2017. 2007. Yeah, 20... So, like, we were alive when this man was alive. How does it make you feel? gross i think it's really interesting because a lot of the times when like i would like hear like famous people's names and stuff like that and i think that they were like from like the 1920s and even if they were like they were still like kind of alive when Mm -hmm. we were little i just find it so interesting like michael jackson was still alive when we were kids yeah like i still can't comprehend that i know or like um like when martin luther king died i don't know how old we were I don't think we were alive, but it wasn't that much longer before. (laughs) We definitely (laughs) like all of the ages are like messed up. I know. Um, He never admitted to playing any hand in any of the Lansing cases, however, so kind of left with him as he died. Ted Bundy was in the seventies. Yes, Ted Bundy was also in the seventies. Is he dead? He was executed, but I want to know how. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was uh, Sparky. That's what, I, that's what I thought. I'm pretty sure it was the electric However he went out, I guarantee he was laughing. Oh, yeah. And it d- definitely doesn't amount to the amount of pain he put his victims through. Wait, he has last words. Oh, of course he does. Bundy's response to if he had any final words was surprising. Hesitating, his voice quavering, <laughs> he told his attorney... Jim and Fred, I'd like you to give my love to my friends and family. That's it? That was it. That's not notorious. That's it? Yeah. So anyways. His friends and his family. What friends and family? Fucking weirdo. Serial killer. The one's crying. Yeah. The wife crying with a new guy. Did you know that Ted Bundy's um, mom played as his sister in his childhood? Yeah, she probably had him when she was 15. Mm-hmm. They they had convinced him that his mom was his sister. Yeah, wait, was this his, was his story this, the story that I'm thinking of where, like, there, there was some guy who, like, um, had been told that he was adopted or something, and, like, he was because, obviously, like, his mom was, like, his stepsister, mm-hmm. but he, like, fell in love with her because oh gross it definitely wasn't ted bundy but he this guy like fell in love with her because it's probably a criminal minds episode i remember something like that okay yeah it was something uh, i watched too much he, he put her in cement or tried to put her in cement yes yeah i know exactly was, what criminal minds okay so the conclusion of this case like i said there is somewhat of a good outcome from this there is some justice or some you know closure 
Um, two out of the four ta- cases that we talked about um, ended up being closed, uh, one with DNA evidence, and we were able to test DNA. A DNA test linked um, to Charles Joseph Emery, so before one of the previous uh, suspects for one of the murders, to the murder of um, Betty Ann Goodrich um, in 2001, is also emerged as a suspect during the original investigation. He ended up dying in 1992, which leads to the case without any legal closure of a trial. But they they were able to, you know, DNA test link Joseph, Charles Joseph Emery, to the mm-hmm. murder. 38 years later, Marie Ann Jackson's, um, Marie Ann Jackson's case was able to have closure when DNA testing provided that Carl Fitch, the original person who they investigated, had committed suicide in Florida in 1997. His, his DNA matched the body fluid recovered from the crime scene in 1970. These are just a bunch of different cases. Yeah, but they're they're all within like they're all cold cases within Michigan. Um, unfortunately, Irene Waters and Diane Osinski are still unsolved mur- murders today. Like they're just unsolved mysteries still. That's what like fifty years cold. Yeah, that's fifty years of a cold case. That is so sad. Yeah, that's crazy. Currently, so far, I don't know anything if they're still investigating about it or not. Um, but it did happen, happen like, over... Well, and it's not like they really had any evidence to look back at yeah. now, anyways. Like, even if they wanted to try to close it, it would all just be circumstantial because they have no actual... They have no actual anything. Yeah, because with Diane's murder, they had tried to get in contact with, you know, the person who had called her for the babysitting offer, but, you know, that went nowhere. Right. And then with Irene Waters, um, there, there became a composite sketch, but clearly nothing came of it, and there was only one witness that saw him briefly and was able to give somewhat of a composite sketch and. And those don't really yeah. do much. And especially, especially yeah, and especially now, like, that composite sketch is going to be much different now than it was then. The same. Yeah, exactly. Because the thing is, is, like, when you have an actual picture of someone, like, like now they have mm-hmm. the technology to do, like, mm-hmm. the aging. Yeah. But they, you can't do that on a composite sketch. No, you not at no, all. You have no reason that, to, And a composite you know sketch what? isn't exactly, like, a this is who it is, this is who we think looks like who did it. But uh, yeah, that's the murder of the Lansing Four. The fact that two of those, like the the two of the main suspects of like those two murders, mm-hmm. the fact that they were both suspects, but they didn't have any evidence to like link them to it. Yeah, there and was then nothing. They both ended up dying well, because tell me what evidence they had back then. They didn't have nothing. DNA. They, they didn't, didn't have, have DNA testing. No. It was literally just you had to be at the right place at the right time to see mm-hmm. something. And even then, like, eyewitness account isn't super reliable, too. No, and they didn't have cameras everywhere back then. Nope. Mm-mm. Like, I don't remember exactly the number now, but there was a study, and you're on camera at least 100 times a day mm-hmm. without knowing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's cameras when you stop at red lights sometimes because they get your license plate oh, if you run the red. Oh, there's more than that. I so know. So they're um, in one of my classes, so I'm taking a law enforcement intelligence operations course and that's kind of interesting i was on the wait list for six months holy shit yeah and it's really interesting and i was looking i think it was a ted talk and basically 
the government has a bunch of photos Mm -hmm. of everyone. Of course they do. They just have them, like, in the back because, I mean... If there were to be, this is a huge debate, but like if they if they were to be like people of interest in the future, with the amount of information that's just stored, they're not actively looking at it, but mm-hmm. with what's stored, they can try to create a routine in like anywhere mm. where you would overlap with whoever went missing, for example. And so they have all these pictures. And so there was this one instance that she was using as an example because there was this one guy and all this stuff got brought up and he found out that they had all these pictures of him from like dating back years mm-hmm. and they were looking into him but he like wasn't actually like I don't know like I don't even know who this is I can't really speak on it mm-hmm. but the thing is is they have all this information they have pictures of they have multiple pictures of his car from the back with the license plate they have pictures of him in the front driving Mm -hmm. with whoever's in his car like they have front and back pictures of him driving they have some of him walking into work walking out of work walking into target damn so like think about how many places you go when like you actually leave your apartment and like i mean even in my apartment we have cameras here too i mean i walk out like if i were to get up and go about my day i would get up Walk downstairs, and I got in my apartment. There'd be that first camera mm-hmm. I'd walk by when I first go down the stairs, and there'd be one right when I'm walking out to go to my car. I have no idea how many are outside. Nope. I have no idea how many I'm gonna pass in my car on the mm-hmm. way to Target. Tons, probably. But I'm gonna walk into Target, and I'm gonna be in at least thirty. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna walk out and be they- on them again. Yep. And then however many are outside. Walking to Planet Fitness, there's definitely cameras somewhere in there. Although, you you know what's so interesting? With all the security cameras we have nowadays, you would think that it would be much easier to find people. Well, but here's the real... I'm going to let you in a little secret. A secret? <laughs> a little secret secret. <laughs> so, obviously, like, there is a bunch of data collected and mm-hmm. just stored. Like, that's whatever. But I'm going to use Michigan State as an example. With, like, recent events. Yeah. I mean, they just replaced the cameras in my apartment. Oh. They said, yeah, we're going to put new cameras in all over the apartments, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, sick. Um, they must just not have been working. <laughs> all these cameras were, like, decoy cameras. That is true. That is true. They do put, that is true. They, a lot of places put decoy cameras to, you know, lessen crime and all that. Yeah. Still doesn't really happen though. But Well, even think about at like ish. Walmart or Target yeah. now and like the beauty aisles, they have these. Oh my things. God. Yeah. I started seeing that. Yeah. Because that's what gets stolen a lot more mm-hmm. because it's easy for people to just pickpocket the little tiny lipsticks, mm-hmm. put it in their pocket, walk out the door like nothing happened. Well, there's those cameras, and everywhere you look, it says, smile, you're on camera. Yep. This is being recorded. Yep. You're being recorded. You might not actually be on camera at all. I know. How, like, that, how many of these cameras are actually on well, or actually real? And, like, the thing is, is, like, with big companies like that, they, it could go both ways because mm-hmm. they have the money to have real cameras. Yep. But they also have... That buffer zone where they have their margins where they can lose yep. certain items. Mm-hmm. 
Like, they have that huge profit gap. Mm-hmm. But smaller businesses, I mean, they might have one real camera that's janky as all hell mm-hmm. and then have a bunch of fake ones. That's true. They I might mean, have real ones that broke 10 years ago that they still keep that's up. That's true. I mean, shit, I'm pretty sure the cameras in my apartment complex aren't on because <laughs> Luna's here. Nobody's come to get her. Yeah, that's facts. <laughs> Whoever is at the security station clearly A, isn't doing their job, or B, those cameras just don't work. Well, and that's what's so interesting is because, obviously, like, I don't think that right now they have a limit as to how many people you can have in your apartment. Mm-hmm. But in We my, do, technically. But here's the thing. So, in my lease, I don't think we can have more than 40 people in my apartment at a time oh. for fire safety reasons. Um, for also, us, it's 14. Well, your apartment's smaller than mine. That is true. If these cameras were working and they were actually watching them... They would have been going around to every party well, and shutting it down. And do, do you realize how many people were at our birthday party? Yeah. Well, not even just that, but like you're asking students on Halloween weekend of the MSU versus Michigan game right, but not that's what to I'm, gather in groups of larger than 10 or 15. Right, that's but not that's what I'm happen. saying because we had probably... One to one fifty people yeah. in and out of my apartment, if not more. Mm-hmm. The people in the unit right next to me, they had a party. Did they really? I didn't people know. People right below us had a. There were like eight parties in our complex that night. Oh, thank God, I was. I felt. <laughs> I felt so bad that we were gonna be like disruptive towards someone else. But then again, it was a Saturday, so like. It was also the big game. Day. I know. So. I wasn't really too concerned about. I wasn't it, but, either. I mean, we. I mean, I would open the door. For who, like, I'd get a phone call, I'd go downstairs, open the door, and there'd be, like, 20 people out there, and I'd be like, I think I know hmm." one. I'm pretty sure you spent more time going up and down the stairs (laughs) to get people inside the party than you did actually inside our party. Well, it's hard, because all the doors are locked. I know. The only picture I have from my birthday night is you and I in the bathroom, and it's the one I posted on Snapchat. I didn't get any pictures. The caption was literally... I mean, I didn't get pictures of fucking anybody. Well, and I didn't get a picture with me or Brandon, and we had a... Um, you guys had an iconic costume. couple's I know, costume. We had a couple's costume and everything. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode of this podcast, and thank you, Kate, for coming on. You're definitely going to be on more. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Bye.